Hello, I'm Joan. I'm a Canadian family physician who also works as a restorative medical educator, facilitator, and coach. I create spaces that rehumanize the work of healthcare. I'm creating this podcast to remind myself, as well as anyone else working in a helping profession, that when you are working and caring for your human patients, you are the other human in the room. Hello, and thank you so much for coming back to another episode of The Other Human in the Room. So, um, this recording is a bit more off the cuff. I just have been thinking a lot about the idea of fixing. And I um, recorded a reel about it a a while ago, but I feel like I want to expand on that. And so I'm kind of just going off the cuff here and sharing my thoughts about this idea of fixing our patients. Um, This comes up a lot uh, with one-on-one clients, with my medical learners, with um, colleagues. Like I noticed that it's a story that often can really stress us out as humans in healthcare. Um, And we think that we are failing if we're not fixing our patients. And then we have all this guilt and shame about it. And we're like, I'm not a good healthcare worker. So I'm not a good doctor. I'm not a good nurse practitioner. I'm not a good dietitian. I'm not a good physiotherapist, like whatever, whatever. I'm not a good nurse. Oh, shoot. Now I'm in this thing where I want to list all the healthcare humans. If I'm missing yours, I apologize. In any case, I'm not a good caregiver. I'm not a good expert at whatever field I'm supposed to be an expert at if I can't fix my patients. And so there's this first level where it's stressing us out and we like literally feel guilt and even shame for it where, you know, we're taking the outcomes of another person and we're equating it to our worth and like our ability to influence the outcomes of another person's life. And we're equating it to our worth, like this shame, imposter syndrome story. And so we know that's an inhuman story anyway, because First of all, our worth is um, invaluable and, uh, you know, a million billion percent worthy no matter what we do, actually. So we know it's inhuman if we're thinking otherwise. And then we're further knowing it's an inhuman story because we're saying that, you know, there's, there's something wrong with us if we can't change what happens to another person. There's something wrong with, it's like, you know, there's something wrong with me because I can't make... I don't know, the leaves on a tree change a faster color. I'm looking at a tree. That's why that came to me. But, you know, things outside my literal control, there's something about that. We think that we can control, if we were smart enough, if we were savvy enough, we would be able to control the healthcare outcomes of our patients. And uh, there is this like subtle way, of course, that we have influence over the medical outcomes of our patients, you know, if you choose to resuscitate someone or not, that certainly changes the odds of that person being resuscitated, though you can't guarantee it completely, right? And that, I think that's like, we kind of forget that we're not actually gods and we're not actually in charge. Like even something where it feels like you do have 100% control, you know, well, I'm going to either take out this person's appendix or not. 
you know, there's so many factors that can get in the way that are outside your control. And whether that was, that's going to lead to a good or bad outcome, there are things in your control that you can like hone your skills of and hone your knowledge of to like offer your best, most skilled output to maximize the chances that it will be beneficial to the patient. But that is very different than owning the outcome of the patient completely, right? You can know everything about diabetes and you won't be able to cure their diabetes because for the vast majority of people, there's literally no cure. And you won't necessarily get the patient to a perfect A1C, which makes me want my eye to twitch just that idea. But like, you know, we have this idea, you know, if I was smarter, I could convince the person to do whatever I think that they need to do that that will influence their A1C. So then they will be healthier. I'm kind of shivering about it. It's okay if you have that thought. I just I just know how inhuman that thought feels in my body, <laughs> in my brain, honestly. So we can't, right? We can't. Otherwise, like, you know, none of our patients would smoke cigarettes because we would just have all the skills and knowledge to, like, perfectly, um, you know, lead them through a journey that would allow them to quit smoking, okay? So, like, so there's, like, that level too. But... I want to talk even a level deeper, which is really like I am exploring this concept and applying it to myself, to my life, to my patient's life of like, what if the idea of fixing another person, which therefore requires that that other person is broken in some way, what if that is an oppressive inhuman story? Like what if None of your patients actually have to be fixed. What if none of your patients, and what if you as a human being as well, just like your patients, are not broken? Okay, so um, I'm not saying that disease doesn't exist. I'm also not saying that a literal bone cannot be broken. But what I am saying is, what if even for the things that are literally can break in a person, for example, a bone. What if our job is not to literally fix, as in fully repair and force the healing of ourselves under our direct control? What if instead what we're doing is partnering with our patient and their incredibly sophisticated and intelligent body that is made for healing, that has all the healing mechanisms it needs to heal itself. I am speaking medically, I'm speaking scientifically here, like I'm I'm not even talking about sort of supernatural healing. So for example, even in the small number of scenarios, say that where literally you could argue something in the body is broken. So for example, a bone is broken. Okay, so therefore there is something inside that human's body that is broken. Our job is to find the break, um, put it into its best position and give, you know, advice and guidance to that human in order to optimize their chance of the bone healing itself. You're not in there like sprinkling new bone cells on that bone every day, right? You are optimizing the conditions so that that body can heal itself. Maybe this sounds obvious, but we I certainly don't recall in my training, certainly the 
the sort of subliminal and overt messages were all about kind of like forcing and manipulating and like overpowering the body in order to get it to go back to some perfect healed state. And there's just so many things that are just false about that and so many things that are really kind of oppressive, certainly kind of, if you've heard of ableism, so like just talking about, so the idea that, you know, if a person's body is not able to function to the level at which we as a society deems is like the acceptable level, then that person's like broken and worthless and useless. Like that's really not a story I want to perpetuate. And it's not a story I want to have inside of myself, like believing and operating out of, right? That feels a little ouchy, a little icky, doesn't it? And I, you know, you can call that ableism. That's one word for it, right? And so even in the cases where there's literally a thing that you could argue needs to be fixed, the, the main component that's doing the fixing is the body itself, period. Same with things like um, infections, right? So someone comes in and they have an infection. As we know, a lot of times, literally, we don't have medicine that would improve the chances of that infection clearing because it's like viruses, right? <laughs> and we all know way more about viruses than we used to because of Mr. COVID over there. But even like the common cold, people come in, they want antibiotics, they think the antibiotics will cure them. But we know as healthcare providers that actually there really isn't much externally that enhances the body's own ability to fight off the infection itself. The body is doing, in this case, pretty much 100% of the work. I guess you could argue, you know, you can give guidance and suggestions about how that patient could optimize their body's ability to heal. So it's like, don't stay up all night, you know, don't um, put substances in your body that impair healing to the extent that the, the immune system is suppressed and unable to do it itself, you know, I guess. But most of the time, like, that's what we mean. We say rest and fluids and, you know, take a break from work, let your body heal, right? Like, that's the main guidance we give to people who have those sorts of infections because we know there's not something specific we fix, right? So, so far we have not yet found something we can fix with a patient. Have you noticed that? <laughs> Even in the case of the broken bone, we are not the ones doing the fixing. And in the case of infection, so even when where um, an antibiotic is indicated, let's get clear on what's happening there. Are we fixing this infection? Or is it actually that the body is fighting the infection, the bacterial infection in their bladder or whatever, right? And the antibiotics role is to help kill some of those bacteria in order for the immune system to um, be able to overwhelm. It's like you're sending in backup troops. You're sending in extra, you know, relief to the immune system and, and in partnership with the immune system, then the infection is gone. If I'm getting this wrong, by the way, and you're like an infectious disease expert, like I'm happy to be corrected if that's not really the mechanism. Um, I was struck by this being the mechanism when I recently watched an episode of the Magic School Bus with my kids. So if the Magic School Bus was wrong, and um, actually it's completely up to the antibiotic, and if you don't have an antibiotic, you're definitely going to die of a bladder infection, like let me know. But I don't think that is the case. I think lots of times, you know, if it's mild, if it hasn't taken hold, all these different factors that your body already has to act as natural antibiotics against, you are able to fight off a lot of bacterial infections, right? It doesn't mean we shouldn't give antibiotics, but 
It means that we do so judiciously and just enough so that it then the body can take care of the rest and recover and heal, right? And then we get to things that are like more complex than than that, where like mental health conditions, oh boy, I like don't even know. I don't think that we as a medical community, certainly we don't yet have come haven't come to agreement about how to quote unquote fix someone who has depression. There's these specific criteria that the certain manual uses to even define what depression is. But if you've worked in healthcare for more than a minute, you see the wide variety of how it's applied and and how it's interpreted. And the field of psychiatry is so challenging because it's it's sort of an unfolding field, isn't it? And um, it, that doesn't mean it doesn't have value. I value our psychiatry colleagues so much. And um, I can imagine it's challenging when definitions are shifting and our understanding of how our body, our body like processes things and how emotions work. Like there's differing schools of thought on that. And you're just trying to help this patient in front of you. It's challenging. And I would say my favorite new way especially in those cases. So people who have complex issues, um, including things like mental health and well, all sorts of different issues, like most of the issues I come that come to me, certainly chronic things, things that are very much influenced by social factors, their economic status, their race, their family structures. Like there's so many factors that lead to them feeling less or more healthy, less, less or more capable, that cause suffering mentally, physically, like there's just so many factors, right? And it's overwhelming if I think I'm supposed to fix it all. And it also creates this distance between me where I'm like, can you please present me a very clear problem so that I can provide you a very clear solution? Like some of, I think our resentment comes from like, why are you so complicated? You're making it so hard for me to feel good about fixing you. Have you noticed when that comes up? I Maybe I'm the only one, but I felt it in me. And I remember, I, well, I said it already on this podcast, like last summer where I was resentful of someone's knee for hurting because <laughs> I thought I had to have an answer to fix it, right? But what if that's like so not what we're doing? What if that is like totally an inhuman fake story that no one can achieve and is honestly like, pretty harmful to have in the room with you when you're working look when you're working with the patient. What if instead what you're doing with a patient is like witnessing and listening to their their suffering, to what they've brought to you, to their description of what's happening, their physical like their symptoms, which is their physical experience of what's happening to their body. You listen to their function, how much these symptoms are impairing them. You're listening for potential causes of these symptoms, internal, external, and everything in between. Like you're witnessing, you're listening, you're reflecting on potential factors that would be influencing their experience. You could call some of those diagnoses, but you know, just beyond that, just like what could be happening here in this person's body that's leading them to have this nausea, leading them to have this weight gain or loss or chronic pain or whatever the thing is that they're bringing in, the changes in their body, what could be happening here, right? But really what you're doing is listening and believing the person, first and foremost, an incredibly powerful process, and listening to the the innate wisdom and intelligence of that person's body. Because 
All of these symptoms are the body's way of trying to let this person know that something is off, something is out of balance, something has gone astray. So if someone has pain, you know, the intent and intelligence of having pain in your toe is to let that person know a process has gone wrong in that person's toe. And so then you listen closely about, you know, when the pain happens and what other things are associated with that pain. Is there swelling? Does it happen when you're sleeping? Does it happen when you're walking? And what you're really learning, you're really listening and learning both to the patient, but also to their body's intelligence and saying something is happening in this toe. And as we know, sometimes when you x-ray that toe and it's broken, boom, done and done, right? I guess then you say fixed, but as we've said, you don't have to own that as fixing it, okay? But you've discovered, you've discovered what has gone awry, what has gone out of balance, what has been disrupted or damaged in the body, and then you can create a plan that partners with the patient's body in order to allow the body to heal best it can. But as we know also, lots of times say you do the x-ray and it's something that doesn't have any kind of fix, but also that the, the body is going to struggle, um, struggle to actually repair. So like arthritis, like wear and tear osteoarthritis. Um, again, now if you're a rheumatologist or orthopedic surgeon listening to this and you have the cure for a toes osteoarthritis that I'm not aware of, please let me know, right? But like the idea is, you know, a bit of a rusty joint, there's wear and tear, the natural um, degrading of a body over time, not in a way that um, diminishes the body's power, but, you know, over time, we have a non-regenerative thing happening in our toe and we have not yet discovered the key to regenerate cartilage that's gone and regenerate bone that's gone. And so we have discovered potential causes for the pain. We know that the pain is still trying to let you know something has gone awry and there's damage happening. And in this case, there isn't um, a way to necessarily halt the damage. There can be ways to ease the signal of damage since we know we kind of want to say, thank you, pain. You're not really needed here at this moment right now because we're aware of the damage, but there actually isn't something we can really do to alter it so much, you know, so then you inject corticosteroids or you give medicine or you work with that person's pain. Um, and all of that can be really valuable, even though there isn't a fix. I wonder if you see that. Can you can you see what I'm getting at, you know? It, it makes a difference internally as the healthcare provider because I no longer have pressure or guilt if I've, I've met a problem I don't feel I can fix. I now let go of the idea that I'm supposed to fix anything. Instead, I'm supposed to listen to the patient's experience and therefore listen to their body's inner intelligence and signal systems that are letting me know when things have gone awry a bunch of nauseas here. Okay, so what are the different areas of the body that that usually are off if someone has nausea? And I'm kind of working through my differential, right? Like this is what we're really doing. We're partnering with the body. The body is not the enemy here. You know, this starts to come in. It's like you're battling the body. You're fighting the body. The body is being difficult and not showing you what the problem is. Like 
all of that makes it really hard to then be in rooms with people with bodies and you can start to get resentful of those bodies and the people who those bodies belong to, right? This is such a freeing way to continue to partner with people, even if you don't yet have the quote unquote answer. And it's because you're still on a journey of understanding what is happening and you're listening close and you're you're trying things and see if that makes it better. And you're on a journey of understanding to see best you can if there are ways to alleviate this person's symptoms, if there are ways to locate and um, reverse any of the processes that are there. Like that's kind of like like autoimmune diseases, right? Like the immune system is incredibly intelligent, but in and in autoimmune diseases like the intelligence has been given this false message. And so it starts to attack its own body instead of just outside forces. The intelligence isn't wrong. It's it's that the system has been given a false message. And so then, you know, medications and treatments are designed to try and halt that false message and bring the immune system back into balance. And we don't have the ideal treatments for that yet, but we're getting closer. But we don't have to be mad at the body or feel like the body has betrayed our patients. We can still partner with the body and understand it's still got an incredible intelligence behind here. It's just been, it's just gone, gone astray. It's, it's gone awry. It's, it's out of balance, right? So this is very powerful for us as providers, but it's also very powerful for our patients. Now, this isn't to say that we are going to invalidate. I have tried this and it didn't work when I when I was like, oh, you're in chronic pain, but don't you see your, your pain is trying to take care of you? And I try and do it in like a silver lining, like feel better about your pain way. Uh, that has not been well received, so don't recommend it. However, over time, I've, I've learned, like, if you, if, as I start to ask my patient, like, what is it like to be in your body when it's in pain? You know, I understand, based on my training, that a pain is supposed to be a signal of something going wrong. What is, what do you think this signal is telling you? And just getting them to start to think in these ways, and in, I'll say not getting them, but inviting them to think about their body and the signals of their body in this way, it has been incredible what it has opened up in my conversations with patients. And in terms of of allowing more room for acceptance of, say, symptoms that we don't have a cure for, things that are likely to be chronic or waxing and waning over time, it's a way to have like emotional and like psychological acceptance of their presence and not feel like their body is constantly betraying them and they're fighting their body all the time. And that started with me believing that about my body and their body, and then offering that belief to them. I'm hoping to have actually some of my teachers about this on future episodes of the podcast, just to get more explicit about things like pain and other symptoms. But uh, um, yeah, and the thing that it really helps with is if I'm really busy trying to fix a patient and I'm trying to suppress my frustration, but it's in me. A lot of times what accidentally gets transmitted to the patient is that they are bad and wrong for having incurable symptoms. It starts to stigmatize the patients in the healthcare system. Why do you have to keep coming back for more treatment? Why do you keep showing up every week? Why can't you just like figure it out and leave me alone, right? I understand why that happens. And it's for all the reasons I've just shared. I'm not shamed 
I'm not offering you shame for if you've had that story in you and if that's been the fallout with your patients. I believe it's been the fallout for my patients too because of this inhuman story that we need to fix them. So the old inhuman story is I need to fix my patients. Frankly, it's actually that it's possible to fix my patients. And beyond that, that my patients need fixing at all. I've learned that I think that's the inhuman story. Instead, my new healing human story that has been so liberating and so powerful to share with my patients and to like change how I, I speak about their bodies to them and how I ask them questions about their body and how I teach them about their body in general is that their bodies are resourceful and incredibly well um, designed, you could say. I'm not speaking religiously. I just mean the body has so many incredible systems that are meant to continue to allow the human being to survive. They're, all the systems in a human body are designed for that body's survival, connection, thriving. They're all designed to take care of that body. That is what's always happening. And so if a certain system's gotten overzealous or is under-resourced or harmed in some way so it can't take care of the body the way it wants to, if you will, like personify a system of the body that way, that's what we call disease. That's all, right? And so how can we then investigate and learn and figure out, do we yet in medicine have a particular way of helping that system get back online, either make it a little less zealous or a little more zealous, depending on what's happening. So that is my thought that I want to offer to you. Let's let go of the idea that we ever could fix our patients. See what happens when you have this story instead. See how you're able to connect with your patients in a whole new way. Feel so much better about the work you are absolutely doing, even if you are quote unquote only listening to them. There's powerful work happening there. And actually that is like all that we really ever do is just listen close to a patient and their body and use those pieces to understand what help we have to offer to that body, that beautiful, not broken, resourceful, intelligent body. And we use our beautiful, not broken, resourceful, intelligent body and brain to help theirs. So I would love to know what you think about these ideas. Um, If there's ways that you don't really get it, or if there's examples, you're like, okay, but how would it apply to this example? Please reach out to me because I am very curious if this theory really applies on all cases, but so far it has, and that's been very fun. Um, And so, yeah, please reach out uh, on my Instagram or through my website. If you've been trying on this new story and what you've been discovering in the process, I hope you have a wonderful week. Take care. I would love to hear from you. Please share your human moments in medicine with me on Instagram at joanchanmd or on my website, joanchanmd.com. On my website, you can also find other restorative medical education offerings I have, including one-on-one coaching opportunities and skill building workshops. I look forward to connecting with you there. Thank you.